who we are, that's the Holy Spirit in us. How we know ourselves, that's the best way we can know God, is by realizing in ourselves that if we know him personally and show people this different type of knowing God instead of just knowing about Christianity in these senses, knowing who Christ made you to be, that is evangelizing. And, and it's Action. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It 99 here with another episode. And I'm here today with Mr. Kiro Husni. Kiro, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, I really appreciate um, you know the support from both you and all of the fans. Um, so today's topic um, we're talking about today, um, basically about you know what it's like being a Coptic youth. You know, like the challenges, the struggles. You know what it's like to get better and stuff. So, my first question for you is, you know, how do you handle being unique um, in you know, like where you are in life? I mean, I would say. In the society we live in today, there's a lot of issues with trying to find your own identity, you know? Um, that's where a lot of things come in of like people like trying to find different sexualities and all this stuff, but like to have their own identity, you know? So we usually forget that the person or the one that gave us, that created us, is the one who designed the identity for us. So like that's where you need to find your identity for Christ and how you do that is by just trying many things at growing up, you know, like high school is a really good time for people to find their talents, what they're interested in and what, what they're best at, you know? And after high school, you kind of build that through college. You know, I'm in my first year of college right now. And I found that I spent a lot of time, you know, just building relationships with other people. It could be through sports where, you know, everyone's going through to try to reach this goal of winning like in sports. And when you have that, when you're building that relationship of all going to the, try and make the same goal, they, you build a relationship with other people. And I found that that's a good talent. I'm very good at like trying to build relationships with people very quickly, you know, and it's all just trying to find how did God make you? Like, what is the talent you have? You know, I like that response. And I think that a lot of people, like you said earlier, kind of, they try to find their identity or like who they are, like what makes them unique and things that you know, aren't necessarily, you know, true. And I think that in order to be unique, you first, like you said, you have to understand where that uniqueness came from, you know, who like the creator, which is Christ. And I think that's a very obviously Christian mindset. And it's a really good one to have. And, you know, a follow-up question to that is how do you realize that Christ is the one where your identity is? Like, like, is it a conscious decision? Is it something that just comes through experience? Like, how exactly do you attribute that to God? I mean, if we just look at the Gospels, you see the life that Christ lived. Like, if you look at all the personalities that, like, people have discussed, psychology shows that there are, like, six personalities, you know? Like, there's the leader, there's the comedian, and we all show, like, different parts of that, you know? Like, maybe I'm more of a comedian than, like, a team builder, but I'm actually more of a team builder. You could be more of a leader than a than the team builder, you know? And Christ showed all of those, you know? So even, I, I think a great example that someone told me about Christ and God being the comedian is that Jonah in the, Jonah's story, like, why did God choose a whale to like eat Jonah? I thought that's hilarious that like, like what, out of all the animals that could have like just taken Jonah, God chose just a whale. I think there's like every side of 
God shows that person on and we have to find like where did God kind of prioritize for us to have that personality you know and that's where the talent comes in and that's where you trust God because he worked through all of the personalities to be the best at every single thing you know and you find that in the gospel he was a great leader and he brought many people like 5,000 men came to just hear him talk you know and by just reading the gospel and just realizing what he's done for us, you realize that you can trust him even more when he's done the same thing. Yeah, and I think that that trust um, really plays a factor into how we perceive God. You know, like the perception of who God is is something that's vitally important. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with, you know, what the perception of God is. A lot of people, they either think he's not real or they think he's just like a, a rule creator or um, like a, like actually George was saying yesterday, George Bashar was saying in our little, in our end to set out lesson yesterday that, um, that a lot of people see God as like the party breaker, you know, he's like the anti-fun guy. Um, so how does our perception of God, um, really change how we, how we live our own lives? I think there's a really interesting way in looking at that because the relationship that we have with God is a little bit different than in like the Old Testament. You know, people argue like there's a different God in the Old Testament, but there's a different relationship when we broke that connection we had with God with the first sin with Adam and Eve, and then God coming into flesh to where we can, we just have to be one with him in order to have that relationship with God and to let fully understand him better. You know, we can have that relationship better now because he came in the flesh. He came to be one of us. You know, it's a different relationship we can have than, you know, in the Old Testament, they had to have a prophet, a God, God speak to a prophet, and the prophet tells the prophecy to the people. Or the king, they needed a king to represent, the Israel needed a king to represent God so that they could bring, like, their requests to the king. But it's a different relationship now because Jesus came in the flesh. We have him right now. We can speak to him now any time of the day. All, we just need to speak to him and there's a lot more trust to have with that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, you know, that brings up another question, which is like, you know, as a Coptic youth, obviously developing a relationship with Christ is very important. And now that we can have that type of relationship, you know, in the new, in the new Testament, if you will, um, you know, as a Coptic youth, like, how do you find, like, do you find, like, what are the, some difficulties you find building that relationship in the world we live in today? I think the main difference between, especially now as a Coptic youth, is that I think all of us are very spoiled. We forget all the benefits we have and we take it for granted. So only realizing that without, if, if we lived in even the Old Testament, we would have nothing we have now, you know, because Jesus came in the flesh to save us. So we can, we can speak to Jesus easily, you know, and we have to realize that like, if we, we, we are very spoiled to have all these things, you know, the grace that he gave us is something that we take for granted every single day, you know? And I think that it's not even just us being spoiled. I think a lot of times we take credit for things that aren't even of our own doing. You know, a lot of times you see, um, these people who are in higher positions, um, like look at like athletes or like actors, people who are in very, 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 you know, like high positions in society. And you like ask them, like, how did you get here? And a lot of them are like, you know, yes, yeah, I worked hard. I did this, I did that. And it brings up this question where it's like, how much did you actually do? 
versus how much did God do? And I think a very, you know, a key thing for us as, as Christian youth and people and humans in general to understand in order for us to further build a relationship with Christ and to further, you know, have confidence in who we are is to realize that we aren't, you know, we didn't do everything to get us to this point. You know, like, as you said, like God had to, God came down and died on the cross for us. Like he did all these things for us. He created us. He put us in the opportunities we have. He led certain people to do certain things. And it's like, you can't, you know, if you always try to put the trust, if you always try to put your trust in people, you will lose sight of who God is. And I think that's a very big indicator um, in today's society of like a successful um, you know, relationship with God or not, is whether you see God in everything or you don't. Yeah, and I think the key to that, honestly, is gratitude. You know, it's psychologically proven that you will become happier when you're more thankful. But who are you going to thank for, you know? Is it just like, like you need to thank someone for giving you something and everything's given through God. And once we realize that he's the one who's given us all these things and we shine the light back on him, we don't take any of it, just like St. John the Baptist we must decrease, God must increase. When we're thankful for it and we throw the light back on Christ, we actually become happier. You know, the greatest example that I could think of is, or one of the, a good example I can think of is Tim Tebow. He, he loved the, he saw people put these uh, eye stripes. He's a football player. He saw these people put these eye stripes and Christ played a big role in his life. And specifically John 3.16, right? So he put John 3.16 in his eyes. He just, all his stats that game all listed as 316 and you could see that when we play for christ when we do what we have for christ that we become happier and the light shines way more on him yeah and i think that obviously that in like you said like that comes from gratitude and that gratitude comes from humility mm -hmm. right you know it, it comes from really you know putting your it's not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less Right, that's really where it comes down to. And I think the, the way society is pushing, you know, like the way things are going is that it's kind of taboo to not, to not put yourself first. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very taboo to be humble, you know, where it's like, that's what it should be. That's the divine design of who we are is that we should be humble. We should be, you know, kind of not really taking the back seat, but always trusting God in everything we do. So how, you know, how would you define um, like a process to obtain humility as a Coptic youth in, in modern day society? I would go back to honesty and gratitude because humility is honestly so powerful. I think it's, well, if not the strongest thing we can do because what made Satan fall, what made all those demons fall, it was pride. So what do you think will beat them? It was Christ in the desert. It was his humility. Even though he's the greatest, he came down as a man for us. He's the best example, yet he receives all the glory. If we live that life like Christ and we throw that, nothing is coming from us. Us talking right now, it's not, it's not Kiro and Isaiah talking. It's the Holy Spirit talking between us. It's the interacting of the Holy Spirit shining through us and interacting with us. That's helping us both grow. And anyone else hearing this, it's the Holy Spirit that's growing in them. Even the talents they have that we spoke of before, it's growing through the Holy Spirit that's guiding them throughout their lives. And I think that, obviously, you know, taking that, like, it's not me type of mentality, it's, it's very powerful. Because, it, first off, it takes the pressure off of you. Like, 
you know, um, something that was you know said yesterday in another discussion um, during our high school meeting was, you know, it's someone asked a question like, um, like why can't we understand God fully? And it's it's honestly a good question because a lot of people you know it's hard to believe something you don't understand in, but it's actually very comforting to believe in something that you cannot fully understand, because why would you put your faith and your trust in something that you can replicate or something that you can create, whereas put your trust in something that you don't even fully understand? It takes all the pressure off of you. So it it's not only powerful in a way that it brings us closer to Christ, but it's powerful in a way that it removes the pressure from us and it makes Christ the center of everything. You know, because if you're like, you know, this is not for me, this is from God, then in every single thing you do, God will be the reason why you do it. And I think that making God the reason why you do everything is one of the most important and vital things that we can do as Coptic youth in our lives and in the lives of our community. So follow-up question for that is how, how do we, take God and put him in the center of our lives. I mean, let's, let's look at an example that a lot of people would know, like the Bible in general. It's a book of stories to help guide us that like these people that live these lives that can relate to us. It's a good guide for us. And who the author of the Bible, like God is the Holy Spirit. Isn't the people are inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these stories. And we have our own stories being written right now. But we're not the author. Like, God is the author of our story. And how much more can we trust in God if we know who the author is of our story? If we know that the next chapter is written by the one who only looks for good in us, how much more can we be happy for the next chapter in our lives? That's, that's, a, that's a very good one. I really like that. And I think that um, a lot of people kind of need to um, adopt that mindset, you know, especially in the world that we live in today. Um, so obviously, as a Coptic youth, you're in college, um, and there's a lot of people uh, in college that tend to test your faith a little bit. You know, a lot of people want to know more. A lot of people just want to kind of like prove you wrong. So how exactly do you deal with those challenges of, you know, people who maybe just ask questions but don't really have the interest of, of knowledge in them? So I have a few stories about this. Um, First off, like I've been taught as I was growing up, if you can tell if someone actually just wants to disprove God or if they're actually curious. If they're just trying to disprove God, there's no point in that conversation. There's no point in building like a, an unhealthy relationship with someone if they're not actually having an intention of curiosity. They just want to prove you wrong. There's no point in that conversation because where will it go? Then the, there's the other part of people actually curious, you know, the examples I think I've thought of last semester, there was a group of, I don't know what church they are a part of, but I've seen them online where they have these signs only talking about the fear, like the fear we should have with God, not the fear of God, but you being genuinely scared that like you, you have to worship God or you're done for. And they had these signs that said, if you have ever done any of these, you're going to hell. And even one of the signs even said, God's love is conditional. And I was, my, my mouth dropped, right? And they didn't even want to speak because I never, I never saw these people in person until I came to campus. Like, I've only seen them online. And when I tried to speak to them, there was just so much hate that I couldn't even, like, they didn't even want to speak at all. They just wanted to have these signs. 
and then you show this and you think that like some people would think that this is evangelizing that Christ talks about but then on a Friday night you know the college life is like partying all this stuff there's one of the Christian groups there every Friday night spends from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. when everyone's coming back you know has a lot of alcohol in their bodies can't really walk they spend that time like making pancakes just for three hours chocolate pancakes blueberry pancakes you name it all of them and when you really think about it they are that's that is evangelism that even when for these people that like are just walking have no care about who who what christianity is any of it that christ is just saying i still provide even when you like do do these things that are away from me i will still be here so that you have another chance so that you can see the goodness that you can have when you come to me that they're not just pushing it they're not having these attacking signs they're providing for when they need it you know so that when they think back to it they're like wow they were there for me they spent hours of their friday night you know they could have studied they could have done anything else they could have had a bible study but they were serving me like as someone who is not they know doesn't really care about christianity at all it makes you think like which part which was better the person that had these signs that makes it seem like oh like we're we're the best type of christian or the ones that are providing that are putting themselves below they're just like we're here for you we'll provide for you i'll use my time to make sure that you're healthy that you're okay so that you can see the real love of god that even when you do all these things he is there for you no matter what you do even when we when we're not any better we do things we sin and sin is like nowhere near in the essence of god and he's still there for us we can still come to him whenever we want and i think that shows that like these that is evangelizing right there that is christ in on campus on a college campus providing for when we step away he's always there that's honestly a very beautiful example of um true evangelism and i agree 100 percent. i think that obviously the the shouting and like the in your face type of christianity you know it's it, it's it's actually it's actually really sad when people do that because a lot of people attribute that to what christianity is as a whole and they you know take that mindset and they're like see christians all day they're just bad they're just you know party poopers they just they don't care. They're not nice. They talk about love and they don't love. But that second group you talked about, about, you know, the pancakes and the, you know, at, at those late hours on a Friday night, that is, you know, if you think about it, that's what Christ did, right? Christ was living, you know, in heaven, you know, doing whatever, not obviously not doing whatever. You, you get the point though. Like he was comfortable up there. He could have just stayed up there been like, you know what? They didn't listen to me. That's tough. But out of his abundant love for us, you know, he came down from the throne, became man, had to go through the pain of being in a limited human body while still being fully divine. Stay not, you don't hear anything about him for 30 years. He has to grow up, go through puberty, be a human being. For three years, it gets absolutely ripped apart by everyone, gets crucified, then raises on the dead like that right there. It, that's what the love of Christ is. No matter who you are, what you're doing, you go and you serve people when you shouldn't, when you don't want to, when you really don't feel like it. You know, people who you feel like don't even care, you just do it as you know, kind of like to like bring 
you know, God to them. So, and I agree, I think that's, you know, a great type of evangelism. And as a Coptic community, we need probably to be expanding a little bit in that direction. Yeah, I, I feel like as a Coptic community, we, we some, some of us just rely on like the education. And that puts us more in a talkative mindset, but we need to act on those, what, what, what we're reaping. The fruits that we're reaping, we need to actually act on them. I feel like that on a college campus, people know a lot. They can, or they don't know a lot, but they know maybe about small parts of Christianity, especially in America. But we really need to show them like who Christ is. You know, there's like, there's different types of knowing, you know, you can know about someone. I can, like a mutual friend, I can know about them. I heard about them. Then there's someone I know personally, you know, me and you, I can know you very personally. I can know the struggles you have, the talents you have. Then there's the knowing of like knowing who you are, you know, and that's realizing that like who we are, that's the Holy Spirit in us. How we know ourselves, that's the best way we can know God is by realizing in ourselves that if we know him personally and show people this different type of knowing God instead of just knowing about Christianity in these senses, knowing who Christ made you to be, that is evangelizing. And, and it's in those senses that Christ is showing like, hey, this is what Christ made for me to serve for you with these pancakes, you know? And then they come, they're interested. They're just like, why would you do that? Like, what, what good does it do for you? And he's just like, he did it for me. He washed my feet. I need to wash the feet of others. It's the same way. And that's how we bring people to the church. It's how we bring people to Christ by showing them that we're there for you. We are there for you because Christ was there for us and he's always there for us. It's, it's realizing that like in the deeper part of you, the part that might be more meaningful to you, Christ prioritizes that more than anyone on earth, more than you. He prioritizes the thing that you value the most in your life more than you could ever think. And he wants you to bring it to him. He wants you to talk to him. And it's once we realize that, and once we tell people that and show people that Christ isn't just like, oh, like worship now, like you need to worship now. Even though worship is what will bring us, he knows what will bring us closer and unite us with him. It's also realizing that like worship is a type of relationship. It's a relationship, it's a connection we have with God, you know? And, but God wants us to just talk to him. And once people know that, that is the best type of evangelizing I think we can do in college, in America especially, because again, people know about, but don't, people don't actually know God. And I think that, you know, like you said, when it comes to um, like the worshiping thing, you know, a lot of people, they think of God, you know, when it comes to perception of God as like, just like a, like you said, like a worship now, mm -hmm. like do this now, don't do this, do this, don't do this, like a rule maker. But when you look, when you look at the most spiritual people that you can think of, that you know personally, that you've heard of, you know, stories of saints or whatever, it's almost like they, like they never felt forced to worship. They never felt forced to, you know, have a relationship with God. It was just, to them, it was, that is what they wanted to do. And I think even in our own personal lives, we can all see, you know, times of our lives where we felt like we were forced to go to church and when we feel like we want to go to church. And we can make that correlation where the times where we want to go to church, you know, we have a stronger relationship with God than when we're forced to go to church. And I think it's the same that, you know, 
if you take that mindset and apply it the same way, you know, as a Coptic kid, just, you know, living life in general, instead of thinking of it as like, I can't go to this party, I'm being forced not to go to this party, or I'm being forced to study, or I'm being forced to do this, or forced to do that. When you think of those things that you feel like you're being forced to, or you have to do them, if you think about, think about it as like, I get to do these things, I want to do these things, that small paradigm shift changes First off, it makes you way more gratif- gr- way more um, thankful. Is the word? Sorry, I don't know why I said try to say that. Way more thankful. Um, it makes you, you know, happier. It makes you, you know, kind of take the pressure off of you a little bit. You know, I get to go to church this morning. I get to worship God. I get to be able to study. I get to be able to follow my dream and all these things. You know, that is a, I think, a different type of humility. And that, that's where your friends and where the people around you can see Christ in you. That's where you become that window for the light of God, you know, inside of you is when you allow yourself to be kind of like vulnerable in that sense. Yeah. And going along with that, the stories that we hear in the Bible, like, as you mentioned, especially Abraham, Abraham is the one I think about a lot because God's, when you hear the things God said when speaking to Abraham, it was really like a friend to friend conversation. It was like, how could I do this to my friend Abraham? You know, and when people think of Abraham, they only think of the story of Isaac, you know, like God, God wanted to kill his son. That's not what happened at all. God gives us these gifts, but wants to make sure that it doesn't make you forget who is the one who gave us that gift. That's what people forget a lot. God would in no way kill Isaac, but he wants to he wants to make sure if I'm giving you this gift, are you going to is it going to make you forget who gave it to you? Who's going to provide you for more? Is this gift going to bring me closer to you? All these gifts that we have, it should bring us closer to God. Another example of people use like the same thing when it comes to Adam and Eve. Like, why did God put the tree there? Why did he have to make a rule for them not to do the tree? And it's the same thing. It's so that you remember who God is. If Adam and Eve did whatever they wanted to, they would forget who God was. But in, by having that rule there, they always have God in mind. Right? So it's not that God is a rule, you know, rule creator, or he just wants our lives to suck or whatever. It's that he is seeking a relationship with every single one of us. And one of the ways he tries to remind us that he's there is by making these rules. Right? Obviously, they're for our own good, but it's also for us to remind ourselves of who he is. You know, So I think as a Coptic youth, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities for, you know, growth, grow, growing your Coptic community, you know, growth in your Coptic community. So just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Like the first one is, you know, obviously we were kind of been talking about evangelism a little bit. So how do you not just bring Christ to people, but bring Coptic orthodoxy to the people, maybe, you know, to other people who already are Christian? Like, how do you kind of have those conversations? So I've had a few conversations. There was one Protestant, Protestant that specifically came up to me and the key that many people forget, and this isn't just a Protestant I'm even speaking about. I've heard this multiple times where they don't, no, people don't want to trust the Bible because it wasn't God that wrote it. It was these random people that are trying to set this certain narrative for us. And since God didn't actually write it, we should never rely on it. But the key for Coptic Orthodox, I always try to point back to is how can we understand Jesus, the life of Jesus, the most when we weren't there? 
it's the people that walked with them. It was his close circle. You know, he had his he has close circle of the apostles, and then he had his even closer circle of like Peter, James, and John. You know, he and hearing these people talk to them and pass down their apostles, we hear more about the way that Jesus lived. And I I bring this up to the Protestant. I brought it up to the people speaking about the Bible because the Bible is not just written by these apostles. These apostles were inspired, as I mentioned before. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit for what they're writing down. You know, Paul's letters are really interesting to read in chronological order because they're not in chronological order in the Bible. But when you read in chronological order, it shows his growth of humility. You know, he goes from, am I not an apostle? Like, I did all these things. Am I not an apostle? I should be an apostle. Why I'm considered an apostle to go a sinner of whom I am chief. You know, it shows the growth we have with the Bible, with the people that we follow, that Coptic Orthodoxy bases it off of the traditions that we have, that we stayed consistent through centuries, centuries since these people came like 20 centuries ago, that these fathers were the close circle, were the closest circle to Christ than we are now. We don't know more about Christ now. They knew more about Christ because they walked with him. They were there with him for every single moment. And all we have are their testimonies. But there were still every single second that Christ lived, they had it with them. And we try to base it completely off of like looking in the perspective that they gave us. That's what I try to bring Coptic Orthodoxy to people that are already Christian on campus. The Coptic Orthodoxy gives us a better perspective of who Christ is and who he was when he lived when he was walking on earth. That these people who we, the church fathers, have a better perspective than us. That's what I try to base it off of, especially for Christians and for people that don't really believe in the Bible, that it's a better guidance for us. I actually did not know about the thing about Paul. Uh, if you read in chronological order, that's kind of, actually, that's actually really interesting. I need to do, I need to read that. But, um, you know, and I agree with you when it comes to the church fathers thing, that they knew better. And I think that's something that, you know, now as Coptic youth, um, in our church, we always, you know, we always hear these conversations about like, you know, why does church still do this? Why don't we change this? Why don't we change that? And, you know, we always get the responses, you know, from Bishop Yusuf or other bishops or whatever, where it's like, no. And a lot of people get really offended or they think it's like, you know, why? Like, why is it not, not a big deal? But if you really look at it, think about if we changed all those small things for 2,000 years where we'd be at now. We would not be where we are now. You know, so I think it's very important that we not only realize the fact that they know better, but we realize the fact that if there were changes that needed to be made, they would have already been made. You know, like I feel like the only, you know, one of the only major changes that we've had, we've had two really major changes in the past hundred or so years. First one is Sunday school, right? So Sunday school exists now. That's like the Shout first big one. Yeah, exactly. The second one is the, we Greekified Coptic a little bit. Yeah. You know, and there, I guess there is one more, a small one, very small one. Um, why did I forget it? But I, I, I but get your point. Yeah, you get completely. the point. Like, like it's, other churches, if you compare it to the Coptic Orthodox Church, the proof of this are the councils. The councils, every, we had the three ecumenical councils and then the Council of Chalcedon. And the excommunication, or however you want anyone calls it, it shows the rounding that all the other churches had to get to round themselves back 
to where like the apostles said, you know, like no shade to any other church. But for example, like the Catholic Church, they they tried to change like a lot of the meanings, you know, the meaning of like what communion is, that is transubstantiation, yeah. something like that, that it's like literally the material, like if you look at the scientific level, it's actually like a body and blood. But then they had, there was a lot of things that went on about the councils. That's where the Protestant Reformation happened, the time of trying to reason with it. But relying on when the apostles leaving at, the, Christ said, it's a mystery. Leave it as a mystery. We cannot understand it as humans right now. We cannot understand God in our like three pound brain. If, he, if we could understand him fully and how this all worked, he's not even worth worshiping. Why would we worship someone that we can fully understand? And you can see like the rounding they had. We only have three councils. You look at other churches, they have like seven councils, 17 councils, yeah. just trying to reason through it. But if we just left it as how the apostles and the church fathers like said that Christ stated this way, then we, we stay consistent. And we see that through the life of the, like the Coptic church. Yes, we've had issues, but we've made, we've been relatively constant through our church. Yeah, and just I remember what the third change was. It, was. it was adding the word air to the litany of the travelers. That was all. They had to have a whole whole meeting just to add one word. But yeah. anyways, um, no, but I agree when it comes to the you know councils thing. Like you made a very good point of, you know, how long it took for some of these churches to go all the way back. You know, when they could have just been like, you know what, they're right. You know, like the Catholic Church has what, like nine councils now and the Protestant Church, you never know how many councils they have. Um, but it's a very good point you make. And I think that, you know, as Coptic Christians, we need to be very proud in the fact that our church has stayed consistent. You know, a lot of people get, get mad. They think it's like archaic and that like we're like in like we have like old school minds and we're like in the past. But it's like there's a beauty about living in the past is that the past has wisdom. We understand better when we live in the past because Christ walked on the earth in the past. How are we going to understand Christ walking on the earth right now if he's not He's not giving his testimonies right now. We have to look at the perspective of the people who actually saw it. We have to read their testimonies and fully understand it. I agree 100%. Yeah, and there was one more thing that I want to bring up, especially with Coptic youth. I think a great example to talk about is the body, like the body of the church and our placement in it. Because I think a lot of us forget like our placement and what our meaning is when we think about the body. And I've thought about this example of like, when we think about an actual body, you know, like say I was the index finger and you were an ear, right? Maybe maybe the body can still like do certain things without the index finger, but it becomes more efficient when we are a part of it. Like the church, regardless, is going to fulfill the mission of the church, but we can help it make it more efficient. And we usually think, I think a lot of youth, even for myself, I usually think like if the church can do it without me, what's even my place what, what's my meaning? Like, what's my purpose in it? And the, of, of course, the church can, of course, the church can do it without me, because the, regardless of the mission of the church, God's will will be fulfilled. But it's finding my place in the church. How can I help? How can I make it more efficient? How can I point it back to the body, the whole body? Because when I look at your body, I'm looking at your whole body. I'm not just looking at your index finger. It's, the light isn't shown upon the index finger. It's not shown upon the ear. But we can help make it more efficient. We can help make the body more efficient and work just to make it more efficient. Yeah. And I think honestly, I really like the the point you made about, you know, like, like people say like, then what's my point? What's my purpose? Why am I part of the body? But you know, 
that's where that humility comes into play. Where it, and, and honestly, it's comforting knowing that the church doesn't need you to work, right? Because imagine if it needed you to work. Like if you don't show up on a Sunday, like it's over. You know what I'm saying? So it's honestly really comforting. I think it comes from that humility where it's like, you know what? It doesn't need me, but that doesn't mean I don't get to help. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to be part of Christ's body. I don't need to be in Christ's body. I think that kind of goes, you know, full circle. Yeah. Um, but I agree hundred percent. And I think that a lot of times as Coptic youth, we always, you know, we lose sight of, we, 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 we forget to align our will with God's will. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we look at our will and we forget that God's will is above our will. And I think that obviously putting that in prayer and, and trying to practice aligning your will with God's will, you will find way more success and all those things that you wanted, as long as they're edifying, you will get them. And your will will be fulfilled through God's will. Yeah. And we can't do anything by ourselves. We, our talents are meaningless without the church. You know, like going back to the body, if I was the index finger without the body, like, what am I going to do? I'm just yeah. going to sit there without the arm. Like, I'm just, there's just going to be a finger on the floor, but there's, I'm not going to be able to do anything. But we find that when we work with the body and the talents that other people have, our talents shine so much more. The body is shown so much more. The complexity and the beauty of the body is so much more when we're all united and working together. And we have much more meaning because the body has meaning. We rely on the one that has meaning for us to find our own meaning because the index finger is, the index finger is meaningless without the body. And who is the body? The head is Christ. Christ is the one that's guiding us through all of what we're doing. I agree, 100%. Anything else, Kira? I mean, yeah, I, I would just say just make sure we all rely on who is the one who gave us meaning, who is the one who guided us through our lives. I think that's the biggest takeaway right now, especially as a Coptic youth. We always forget about Christ, and we can, we, it's more of a spoiled sense that we forget about Christ because we consider all of his blessings. And just like Abraham, like, are we going to be like Abraham? Are we going to remember who's the one who gave it to us? Are we going to be distracted by these gifts? Or are we going to reflect it back on the one who gave us meaning? The one who gives us these gifts. That's where our meaning comes in as youth. And that's something we always have to remember. That's why coming to church is very important. Church will show you what your talents are. It will help you show, like, this is my meaning. This is what Christ intends me to be right here in the church. This is where what I can do right now to bring people to Christ. And it'll help you even past church, college campus, school, job, anything. The church helps us realize like what more we can do. Because even in like a conceptual sense, what will make more sense if we bring people that consistently come to church, if we make them closer, they're willing to more listen because they come to church. And when we base those people off of like, what works best for them, we can work for people that have never heard about the church, what the meaning of the church is, and what we can do, what Christ can do for them. That's where our meaning comes in. You know, from the church, we can find our talents because he is the one who gives us our talents. And that's where our talents shine the most. Yeah, that's what I have to say about uh, finding your meaning, especially as a Coptic youth. <laughs> Couldn't say it better. All right. Well, thank you, Kira, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Um, so thank you very much for watching. If you enjoyed it, please like, like, comment, and subscribe and share it. Turn on post notifications and see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.